presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 202, Spatial Disorientation and Prevention, coming up next in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stuck Mike Avcast. We are actually really excited this evening to be here because I am in studio with a special guest. But before I mention who that is, I want to bring in our other co-host right now, and that would be uh, Rick Felty. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Hey, good, good. And Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome to have you here in the cold north, and we're here in the, yeah. in the south in nice warm weather, enjoying it. But soon you will have some wonderful spring weather. I know it. Yeah, it's it's warming up enough that I'm I'm tapping the maple trees. So that's awesome. Awesome. And yeah. yeah. You know, it's also exciting. That means more airplanes in the air soon, right? Yes. <laughs> also joining <laughs> us uh, from out in the, the middle part of the country is Russ Rosleski. Russ, how you doing, man? I am doing great, Carl. We are out here enjoying what the, I guess the weather people are calling the bomb cyclone right. here. Um, yeah, so the effects this has for us, no no snow or really any rain out of it, but the wind today was 50-plus knots. So, uh, yeah, pretty strong. And uh, actually, I looked in the... Uh, Lamar, Colorado uh, altimeter setting was 28.72 earlier today, which, of course, is fantastically low. I don't even know if the altimeters go that low normally. Wow. Yeah, so it's been a real tight, uh, low-pressure system and uh, lots of wind here and and snow and other stuff uh, in other places. Quite a ride. Yeah, that white stuff is sand for us. uh, And and also, speaking of sand, I have another guest here from Florida. It's Tom Frick. Tom, hey, how you doing, man? Hi, Carl. How's it going? Good, good. Um, interestingly, I ran into somebody today here. We're getting ready for Sun and Fun, and uh, that's part of our news and announcements. But uh, just to preface that, I found somebody in a campground, was running by, and I said, Hey, why don't you come join us on the podcast? So here in the studio for the first time is Larry Overstreet. Larry, welcome to the studio. Hey, Carl. It's great to be in Lakeland and not up north where it's cold and snowy like that. <laughs> yeah, my wife and I are here volunteering ahead of the show, trying to help get ready for it. And uh, it's great to see, and it's great to find see the uh, studio here yeah well hey i tell you it's been great because uh you've seen pictures of it and finally you're here and we're we're talking right it looks just like the pictures just like the pictures and uh, the animal prints and all yep uh actually wait we don't tell them about that but (laughs) yeah so one of the things that that's really cool that i want to mention is getting ready for sun and fun people i think don't realize how much goes on throughout the year with sun and fun it's not just the air show there's so many other things that they do and you've actually seen a lot of that out there haven't you yeah uh you know they have a year-round education programs going on and you know there's the high school there that a lot of people are aware of where kids can come in go to four years of high school and come out with uh you know their a and p certificate their uh, private pilot's license you know all kinds of things um and you know that's just an amazing opportunity but there are other opportunities that they run for uh teachers to help learn how to uh teach 
uh, STEM programs with, um, or STEAM programs, as they like to include the arts, uh, but with an aviation spin to uh, to them. And so they, they have groups of teachers who come in and, you know, learn how to teach, you know, from, uh, you know, that kind of a perspective and other things that happen throughout the year. It's also becoming uh, an events center where they use the property um, to bring in other groups that aren't necessarily aviation oriented, but uh, they bring other people in for, for their events, you know, as, as an, an event venue, but that also exposes them to the work that's happening at Sun and Fun and the aviation side of it as well. So it's a, it's a um, you know, 365 day a year uh, operation, and it's uh, pretty cool to see off, you know, off season, if you will, when, when the show's not going on just as much as it is to be there when the show is going on. Yeah, I was surprised at how many different things they had going on at Son of Fun. Even like art shows and uh, barbecue, gun shows, all sorts of neat RV stuff. Show, RV, RV shows. Yep. That's right. I forgot about that. And and more. Car shows. Carlisle. I mean, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. So make sure you go to flysnf.org and check out the things that are happening all year long. And I know a lot of people visit Orlando and Tampa, and this is right between the two. And it's yeah. a great venue. Easy to get to, that's for sure. Yep, just off, off 4. Just off I-4. Uh, and since we're talking a little bit about that, Sun and Fun Join us at Sun and Fun, April 2nd through the 7th, and that will be on the deck at Sun and Fun Radio. Where is that? That's right next to Honda Generators and next to uh, the Sunset Grill. And we're right there. Come visit us. If By the way, if we're busy and you want to say hi, go ahead and say hello. Wave at us. We'll wave back. Absolutely. Uh, sometimes we can't break away, but we will try. We'll get somebody to come down and yeah. say hello. And also, don't forget... Hashtag stuck Mike selfie. Uh, so get your Absolutely. selfie in front of us, even if you can't get up there. And, and, and if you have a little bit of a pa- you know patience, just hang around there, you know, off, just off the deck. Uh, and as soon as we hit a break, you know, we'll come down and say hi, or you can come up or whatever. But um, uh, don't you know? Don't uh, run off. We'd love to. We'd love to meet anybody who's going to be there. Yeah, we sure do. And we're going to have a lot of other podcasters there, so it's going to be pretty exciting. Again, flysnf.org. Check it out there. Let's do the pre-flight. Uh, let's uh, go to some other news and announcements. Uh, first of all, uh, Stuck My Gavcast is one of the sponsors of the new Florida Pilot Conference, and that is actually going to be May 4th. May the 4th be with you is how you can remember that. It's going to be, and it'll be with you also. If you come to it, you can actually learn quite a few things about aviation, all different topics. We're going to talk IFR, VFR, uh, and uh, also some things about safety that's you know, more CRM and, and human factors kind of thing. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're working on also if you come to the conference and don't quote me on this right now we may be able to have some of those events work and actually count towards the wings program so that's gonna be cool yeah so we're working on that right now hopefully we get it we will announce it on our facebook page but make sure you check it out in the show notes and also our facebook page uh, florida pilot conference and you can go ahead and register for that Uh, there is a fee involved but there's going to be many different uh uh, like I said, many different conferences. One of them is going to be two of them by me, one by Tom Frick, and also Chris Pazala, and another individual will be out there speaking. Uh, so it's going to be a blast. I can, and oh, by the way, afterwards, we're going to have the social event. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, also, another thing I wanted to, uh, another announcement too. In the past episode, we didn't, we talked briefly about basic med, and there was a couple questions regarding basic med. And, and I think we never mentioned, you know, the maximum weight of the aircraft was 6,000 pounds. I don't think anybody mentioned that. We should have. Uh, but as far as those questions, AOPA is a great resource for basic med. All the information you really want to know is right there. And they have this really cool, uh, it's online, both course and also different tools that you can use so that you can download it. 
So you can do use basic mail. Carl, on that, do you know if they have anything that you can send ahead of time to your physician if they're not familiar with basic med yet? I, at the website. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right at the website. I'm glad you brought that Very up. Very good. And uh, great you want to plan question. ahead a little bit if you're going to if you're going to pull yes. that on your physician. At yes. Your well, they exam, look at you know? it. Uh, who knows? But there is the the basic med pilot and physician's guide. It's in physician's guide. It's okay. right there. I love AOPA and, and hats off to them for putting that together. So that's awesome. But uh, anyway, that's our news and announcements. And don't forget to visit our sponsor, AviationCareersPodcast.com, scholarships, career coaching, and interview preparation. And by the way, there's scholarships for everybody. $10 gives you access to the scholarships guide for a year. It's updated once every month. There's over 200 scholarships equivalent to over $50 million in scholarships. And I will say one thing, the organizations like AOPA, EAA, uh, Sun and Fun are all adding scholarships almost daily. It's That's pretty great. phenomenal. It's just great to see people get into flying, continue their flying, uh, not just career-oriented. We're talking people who want to get their instrument rating, do some gliding, aerobatics, all sorts of really cool stuff. We had one, actually, where they got to fly with Patty Wagstaff and do some uh, aerobatic training. That, oh, cool. that was really a lot of fun, a lot of fun doing that. Now entering cruise flight. Hey, let's move on to our cruise flight. You know... A lot of times we're told that we need to trust our instruments, but many times our body tells us that, hey, you know, we're descending and turning, where in reality, we're just flying straight and level. It takes discipline to trust our instruments and also to never fly IFR conditions if we're not instrument current and competent. That means not IFR rated, too. Today, we're going to discuss how to prevent and how to mitigate spatial disorientation. It's going to be a conversation. Uh, interestingly, I, I looked at the NAL report. I think that's a wonderful report by, put out by AOPA. Yeah, we'll have a link to that, uh-huh. and uh, it's through their foundation. Um, but remember this. The majority of weather accidents were VFR flights in the IMC. Additionally, the category had the largest number of fatal accidents and the highest lethality rate it's amazing isn't it it's just people are still going into the clouds and they shouldn't be when they're with their vfr so we're going to talk a little bit about that disorientation what happens but it also happens not just to people flying vfr and ifr it happens to us uh so first of all you know let's talk a little bit about what spatial disorientation is and then we'll go into you know a couple other things you know why these things are so fatal etc but uh, spatial disorientation you know it's basically lack of orientation with regard to the rest of the world position attitude movement of the airplane in space that type of thing and our body uses different parts uses uses different systems all together to be able to sense where we are and what we're doing and our orientation with the rest of the world and those systems you'll see this we're not going to go you know into depth of these but it's basically the the vestibular somatosensory and the visual basically vestibular is what's going on in that inner ear and uh, that tells us a lot uh, and can confuse us quite a few times we're going to talk a little bit about that the somatosensory is is everything else it's kind of like the seat of the pants flying it's uh, you know everything in your body your joints the nerves the skins the muscles and everything that comes together and it, what's fascinating is how the mind tells you where you are based on what it's feeling you can within put that those. picture together yeah. in your mind and it yeah. just and it comes up through the body which i think is absolutely fascinating of course we as pilots Let's know that the visual system, the eyes are sensing our position, and that's uh, based on what we see outside the airplane. And, and that right there is really important. You know, during VMC, the eyes are the way that we orientate ourselves 
to the rest of the world. So we have many false sensations within our body that will actually make us experience this spatial disorientation, especially during flying. Uh, one of the things that we really, really need to understand, it can happen so quickly. And, and VMC and IMC, visual into instrument conditions, is usually fatal, just like we said before. Uh, and in the NAL report proves that. But one thing that I love to do with my students because it really drives us home, being in Florida, I fly across the, out over the coast with my visual students, and then once we pass land, I let them start flying, and they get totally disoriented because you're basically IFR when you go over that dark, dark ocean. Uh, and it, it's really it's amazing when all these visual cues and are removed, all those, we're flying IFR, right? Yes, so IMC and, anyway. And IMC, right. IMC, excuse me. It might me, still IMC. be VFR. VFR, but we're IMC, correct. Good good point. Uh, so that's what that's talking about. The, the, the pilot's handbook of aeronautical knowledge has some really, really cool stuff out there about this. And there's a couple of websites that go over that. So, again, the, the different systems uh, and the fact that we actually ha- use those systems on the ground doesn't really translate well sometimes in the air. It gets And those interact a little bit differently. One of the things that we really need to understand is that these illusions rank among the most common factors cited as contributing to fatal acts. Accidents. And uh, and this is what we're going to talk about today. So let's go a little bit into this as far as um, now that we've talked about what it is and a little bit about the systems. We didn't go too deep into that. Really what's important is operating our aircraft. So let's talk a little bit about operating our aircraft and then have some examples. A lot of the folks here have good examples. So let's talk first about our first uh, type of spatial disorientation, spatial disorientation, and they call it the leans. The leans is actually what it's called. So it, it's kind of it's interesting. You feel like you're upright, but but in reality you're turning or vice versa. So uh, a lot of times this happens, and I like to do this with students where you kind of take them into a slow roll and a slow turn, and then you quick bring them the other direction, and mm-hmm. uh, they think they're going one way. In reality, they're going the other way, and you will actually see this in the airplane. Sometimes they'll lean up against you as the as the instructor. And, uh, to, but to give us they a just better, like you, Carl. well, I know they all do. They they put their arms around me. They say you're the best instructor in the world. It's like okay, you need flight free flight instruction. Go ahead. But <laughs> but one of the things that we can do to prevent this is to actually make standard rate turns while we're actually in the clouds. This happens a lot in the clouds. But um, I know that uh, Russ, you had a good example and wanted to share with us uh, an example of, of the leans as far as uh, you may have seen either in yourself or, or with your students? Well, I don't think I would limit it to an example. I, I think uh, most most people who fly uh, IFR or certainly who are instructing in IFR see this many, many times. And I've seen you know, many examples of, of exactly this. And it'll happen in just normal IFR training. Uh, I try to get any instrument student I have up into the clouds, you know, not too soon after they start, you know, they've got to be able to control the airplane, but as soon as they're able to just keep the shiny side up, I'll, I'll take them in the clouds, Uh, you know, and it may be a, thousand two thousand foot overcast day or even if there's a layer up at six thousand feet you know we'll climb up there and and, uh, get an ifr clearance and get into it but so so you see this and it's that that difference of between uh wearing the foggles wearing the hood where you still have that kind of sense of movement you can see shadows crossing the panel and and and, uh, that kind of thing but when you 
get into the clouds and you don't have that immediate sense of where you are, that's where you you start to lose your uh, your situational awareness. And it can be very, very uh, powerful. You'll be, you'll be flying along, and I've seen this again and again. I know uh, I'm sure Tom has seen this as well and everyone else, where you're flying along and you swear you're turning, but you're actually straight and level or vice versa. And the only thing you can really do about it is pay attention to your instruments, which, of course, is what they tell you. And that's one of the main things that we, that we teach in instrument training. But I've been there flying along and... and um, the you know in the right seat as the instructor where where the student you know maybe we have a block of airspace so we can get away with a lot right so the uh, the student will be uh, just gradually entering a little turn as I instructed them to stay straight and level and I say where are you going oh nowhere I'm just you know flying heading three sixty oh really uh, check your instruments oh no <laughs> and then then, it, then everything's uh, you know their their head gets you know spinning a little bit and I had the leans but. As the instructor, I've gotten the leans many times too with students, but it, the only way to, again, to compensate for that is just to focus on those instruments. And I'll, I'll, I'll admit to the student, quite honestly, hey, I think we're turning left, but look, we're not. We're straight and level. And that's a, that just helps reinforce that it happens to, to everybody. It's kind of scary too. I mean, when it, when it happens, yeah, it you're like, be. "Oh man!" Yeah. Um, I think it is because because we always want to be in control all the time, and uh, sometimes we're not we're not in control of our feelings, uh, and that's part of the vestibular sen- sensory system. But um, one of the things that we always try to do is teach, like you said, I'm glad you brought this up. Trust your instruments, and that's actually the prevention of that. So we've we've talked about the prevention. I know uh, Larry and I were talking offline. Well, Larry, why don't you share that you had a, a really uh, I felt kind of a scary story. So go ahead and tell us. A sure, about that. it was uh, this is a long time ago in a you know airplane far far away or whatever. Um, but uh, I was I had been flying um, uh, kind of all day long cross country out and back um, in a club plane that I had access to as a Blanca Super Viking. So it was, you know, a slippery airplane, really fun to fly. They're, they're great aircraft for cross country. Um, but, uh, we were coming back. It was night, uh, kind of tired flying all day. And this was, um, coming into the Razorback VOR, which is in Northwest Arkansas. And I know you know where that is, Carl. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, uh, back then, this was a non-radar environment, and so they would stack you up uh, on that VOR, and you know you just run racetrack patterns around until it was your turn. You know, and you drop a you know drop five hundred thousand feet, whatever, um, and then finally you get your shot to make the you know the one approach in all of Northwest Arkansas that was going on at that moment. Uh, you know, you're kind of on stage, um, and uh, so I was making this VOR approach into an airport that was about uh, twenty miles. Uh, west of of the VOR, and uh, had just been you know kind of doing these racetrack patterns for probably half an hour or something you know, and uh, peeled off of that and started heading towards the uh, destination airport, descending. Um, so I had kind of changed speed, changed attitude, and all that. And all of a sudden, um, uh, it was just it hit me like a rock, and I was sure that I was in a tight turn, you know, and. You know, I looked at the instruments and it showed me a straight and level. And you know, you cross check the vacuum and all, you know, all the other stuff to make sure everything's working right. And then, you know, I thought, well, I can, you know, I can do what my body says to do and die, or I can, you know, do what the instruments say to do and probably be okay. Uh, and I just, you know, through sheer force of will, made myself keep that uh, uh, attitude indicator correct. 
And just as quickly as it hit me, it just it was like somebody flipped a light switch. It was just off, and I was all back to normal, and everything was fine. But it was maybe maybe it was the fluid in my ear finally caught up, or whatever it was. I, you know, I don't know physically, physiologically, what was happening. But um, the thing that surprised me was how abrupt it came on, and then withholding the attitude just steady, how abrupt it quit when it was done. Interesting, and that was just trusting those instruments. Maybe that helped too. But there's many yeah. reasons why we get out of that. So, wow, what a great yeah, Larry, story, yeah. Larry. That, that was good. Yeah, thanks. Uh, one thing you said I wanted to comment on was that you had changed you know, speed and attitude and altitude, or something. You had changed a few different variables there, right? Yeah, and and that's exactly like one of the examples I had. I was I was actually on the autopilot, and it's the worst case of leans I've ever had. I was descending. And turning on a, you know, lining up for an instrument approach, you know, I was clear to whatever altitude and heading, but I was descending and turning as I entered the clouds, the, uh, you know, overcast below me. And just that combination of movements, everything was fine in a clear blue sky. But once I got down in the clouds, things just, I, I, I didn't know which way was up until exactly like you did. Okay. The, this is this is happening. I need to focus on my instruments. And, and then it was okay. But it was a strong, uh, situation of uh, feeling yeah it, you know and and back then you know we had not a great autopilot and it wasn't coupled to anything but um you know that is a time to you know like if you're hand flying the thing you know flip the flip the wing leveler on at least or whatever and get some extra help in in keeping that those wings level one of the things that I think is really important is use all the tools in your airplane just like you said throw the throw the autopilot on if, if you have to use that um Interestingly, and that was, by the way, this was the first thing that's talked about in the Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge, if you're looking at it, uh, kind of follow along a little bit. But that is, I think it's important because it happens so often to people, those leans, and it's, uh, it's quite a, a strong reaction. Like you said, it comes on quickly and it goes away quickly. You know, there's a, another example, too, and that would be uh, or another spatial disorientation type, I should say. And that's actually that core, what they call the Coriolis illusion. And, and that's actually when you're, and this is really a lot of fun to do with students, I like to, but when you're in a constant yes, turn, and, and I would love to hear some of the examples that instructors use with this, but you're basically in the turn long enough so that the, the fluid in your ears stops moving. Cause, and we really didn't talk about that much, but there's fluid in your ears and there's hairs that actually uh, you, you know, they they will actually sense what direction you're going based on the movement. Your your uh, nerves actually sense that, but you can actually stop the movement of those hairs in a turn and think that you're straight and low, but you're not. Um, so I would love to hear an example from from you, Russ, since uh, you you just uh, piped up about it. And what did you do to re- prevent that? Well, this is a, a common training scenario. I'll throw at the instrument students where uh, it's part of the typical unusual attitudes training. And I'll sometimes I'll have them, you know, okay, close your eyes and keep flying the airplane. And what undoubtedly happens after they you know, question, wait, you want me to do what? <laughs> is um, is they'll enter a, a shallow turn. And, and they may do okay job at not overbanking, but they'll stay in that turn unknowingly for well, it seems like hours, I'm sure, but <laughs> to them, but is uh, you know, thirty seconds or a minute or something, just in this in this uh, thirty degree bank turn or something, and and then I'll give them a couple other maneuvers, and that will completely throw off their sense of which way is it was up and down because the as you mentioned, the fluid in your ears has kind of stabilized after that long amount of time, and so you don't really think you're turning anymore. 
So in in doing that, the uh, that fluid stops and it makes you feel really disoriented. And it's so much fun to to do that with a student, but it's also uh, good for us to realize that how to prevent that. And that's basically just just focus on those instruments. That's for sure. So, Tom, do do you have an example of uh, something that goes along with this Coriolis uh, illusion? Absolutely, and and you know I, I was actually pleased to hear um, you and Russ chuckle about um, you know bringing students and and doing this to them the first time and almost have an evil little chuckle because I'm the same way. I kind of enjoy it, but it's it's a very important part of a learning and and learning to recognize what this spatial disorientation feels like. And when doing unusual attitudes and under the hood, um, I generally uh, follow a practice of making my students get into an unusual attitude on their own, similar to what Russ was just talking about. Um, and I put it in kind of like a scenario-based kind of thing. I mean, if a, if a pilot's going to get in an unusual attitude, who's going to put him there? His instructor sitting in the right seat or him? And of course, they always answer, well, I guess I will. I says, okay, so you're the one that's going to put yourself into an unusual attitude. And what I have them do is close their eyes, point their nose at their lap as they were, as if they were playing on their iPad, and I have them continue flying the plane. And then I give them just basic instructions on how to fly. Go ahead and give me a descending right-hand turn. Okay, go back to straight and level. Okay, give me a climbing left-hand turn. And eventually, they, it, it, their whole head is so screwed up, you know, and then I just tell them, okay, just fly straight and level for a while. And by that time, we're already in a bank and usually either climbing or descending. And I just wait until it gets to a point where it's still safe to recover. And, and I have them recover. And usually when they open up their eyes, they recover the airplane. And then I ask them, did, did you think that we were in a descending right-hand turn? And they were like, Hell no, I thought I was flying straight and level. I had no idea that we were off like that. So they end up getting themselves into an unusual attitude and have to recover from it at, at a complete surprise because they, they really have no idea at that point what unusual attitude they're in. A lot of times when I do it and I'm the one manipulating the controls to put them into an unusual attitude, they already have kind of a little guess. They can hear sounds of the engine. They, 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 they already know. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool practice. And, and then we can talk about, you know, what's going on physiologically. Yeah, and that's actually interesting that you said something about the, the sounds. That's part of our sensory system as we listen for those sounds of the airplane changing, etc. cetera. Uh, and by the way, to clarify that those little evil chuckles, the reason those are chuckles is because we know that learning's happening, and we're very happy about that. We're not, we're not truly evil instructors here. Oh, absolutely. Wanna... <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. But it, it, it's, 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 it's cool that we all think of it like that because it is. It's, it's one of those things that we do as instructors to – um, help our students you know it just I, I know what it was like the very first time I did unusual attitudes so you know and, and I think my instructor enjoyed it way too much yeah they they usually do and they love but again they love to to have that you know say hey listen I'll show you something really cool and and they show you something cool and then you, then learning happens and very and they're very excited about that another thing that kind of goes along with this and it's another type of illusion that I think is really interesting and it happens uh, quite often and I see this in accident reports you know how a lot of times you see the airplane it's turning in one direction and it keeps turning in another direction and another direction well that type of illusion is actually what they call the graveyard spiral and uh and it, it kind of 
suggest right it's a graveyard spiral for a reason mm-hmm. because by the time you're done and you're at the bottom you're you're going to your grave so we don't want that to happen to you uh when you're in a turn similarly uh the, again the fluid in your ear stops moving and then you might wind up going to like a a, 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 tur- a straight and level flight but all of a sudden your ears feel like they're still moving and now you want to turn back into that turn uh and then you go in the opposite direction and it's like oh no uh there, there's there's an issue. The airplane starts descending, and uh, then you you try to take wings level. You may actually pull because you want to pull up and overstress the airplane. There you go, and and not only that, it tightens up the turn, mm-hmm. and and they keep pulling back on the yoke. But really, what's happening? You're t- you're tightening up that spiral. Really, you should be leveling the wings. And, and not pulling back quite as much. So again, you know, th- this is something that we have to make sure that we maintain a, a strong scan pattern and don't fixate on any one instrument. I will say one thing. I had that happen with a student while we were flying, uh, doing some approaches into Lakeland, because uh, there's a lot of IFR weather here, especially this time of year in the morning. And boy, oh boy, this person just got me into this this spiral, and I had covered the attitude indicator. And I was like, uh-oh, I pulled it off. So you can see, and turns out the attitude indicator failed. Oh, and so no. at the same time, so now we have to recover from this unusual attitude using other other instruments. And it wasn't impossible, but I tell you what, I was sweating there for a second. Uh, and and the one thing I learned, remember, was this in the book. You know, don't keep pulling back, wings level, mm-hmm. using other instruments. Stop that turn. Okay, everything's stabilized. Now let's tell the controller, hey, listen, we lost our attitude indicator and we're declaring an emergency. We need to go back. But again. That's where you don't want to fixate on one instrument because I did that when I opened up, you know, uncovered it, and I was like, uh-oh, now that's not working, and there was actually a flag on it. Thank God the flag was there because I probably would have kept going in that spiral. Uh, so this is another one. This is that, that whole graveyard spiral, and there's actually, I'm sure some of you instructors have, like, like uh, I don't know, Tom, have you ever uh, used, done this with your students where you get them into this and they finally kind of, I think you, that may have been part of what you were talking about before. Um, yeah, I don't know that I've completely gotten into a spiral with somebody, um, but um, definitely the the um, pieces that lead up to it with with the unusual attitudes. You know, the the feeling that the that um, they're going to have in their body and how that differs from what they're seeing on their instruments. So one of the, and, and we're talking about a lot of the stibular stuff, and one of the things that we also find is it it's not just moving the aircraft that we have different illusions. Uh, there's other types of illusions and it's actually called somatographic illusions and that happens when basically uh, some type of rapid movement forward or backwards usually forward and acceleration uh, it makes you feel like you're pitching up okay so what what happens when you feel like you're pitching up your reaction is to point the nose, the nose down. down and uh and that's really interesting in that all these organs in your body are telling you this that you need to push the nose down but this is not the thing you want to do because you're actually pushing the power forward, pushing the nose down, accelerating quicker towards the ground. Uh, so what you need to do, again, how do you stop that? Is number one, try not to accelerate and decelerate so quickly in the clouds. But also, again, we go back to trusting our instruments uh, in this type of situation. You know, uh, Russ, have you ever had this type of an illusion happen? Uh, well, I was. I wanted to comment and say that, you know, and fortunately, in, in airplanes, we don't accelerate and decelerate too rapidly too often however the times when we do it well when when are we primarily accelerating of course on takeoff roll right and 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 initial climb out so that is one of the most dangerous positions you can be in to get this illusion because as you mentioned 
you feel like you're pitching up you know, more than you want to maybe, so you're going to lower the nose. Well, if you're taking off and you're just you know, 50, 100 feet above the ground and maybe you're getting into the clouds because it's a real low ceiling, lowering the nose is not, is not the right answer. So this can be a, a particularly dangerous illusion on takeoff. Um, but just like everything else we've talked about, the way to uh, the way to combat it is to stay on the instruments and and especially uh, on a you know low a very low ceiling type takeoff, which we don't really do too much uh, in a lot of general aviation, but you know, the rules say we can, and some people do. Uh, have an idea with your with your airplane of exactly what. Uh, pitch attitude results in your your normal climb, your VY or, or, or a cruise climb setting, so that you can just go to seven degrees nose up and you don't have to think about it anymore. I know a lot of the uh, American Bonanza Society, for example, their, uh, their training focuses on that kind of thing, that pitch plus power equals performance idea. And this is a perfect example of where that would be very beneficial. I think that's a great example. And, and really, that's one thing. Pitch power equals performance. That's something they teach in a jet. As a matter of fact, uh, flying a jet, it, this does happen. Happen. You know, you have this illusion when you pour the coals to it, when you push up the power, say on a go around or if they tell you to climb very rapidly and you're like, whoa, this is kind of odd. You feel like, you know, you need to put the nose down. You shouldn't. But I like that point is, is we do the same thing, obviously, at the airlines. We, we just put the nose at a certain attitude and we start flying and watch our instruments. So that, that was a great example. You know, one of the other illusions that kind of goes along with this, I find, is uh, one of the things that it, they call it the inversion illusion. And I... I always call this the, the, I used to call it the old man illusion. My, my dad used to have this problem, you know, like leaning, leaning forward and you're leaning forward really quickly because as you get older, all that stuff in your ears starts getting a little bit slower or whatever. And uh, he used to always feel like he was tumbling backwards. And you see that happening to a lot of people is that they, they, they go forward and all of a sudden they feel like they're falling backwards. So they lean forward even more. Uh, and it's pretty pretty amazing. They get the, that in, uh, illusion, but I, I see it happen uh, because you really can get that illusion that you're falling backwards, and it makes you want to kind of go forward. And I and and this the good example in real life is I used to see my dad grab the table, you know, as, and move forward, like oh my god, I got to go forward, and I don't. You're not falling backwards. Uh, so one of the ways how you know how can we prevent this? We can do that by. You know, don't be so. Be and in general, by the way, you should be smooth on the controls. But but don't be too jerky on the controls. Real, you know, slow and steady inputs. That's the way to do it. Especially uh, climbs and descents uh, because of those and that and and the illusions. Both of those illusions. You know, the somatographic illusion and also the inversion illusion. Somatographic. Don't pour the coals to it right away. Especially if you're doing a, a go around low altitude, low visibility. Uh, and the same thing with the inversion illusion. So uh, that that pitching down quickly makes you feel like you're tumbling backwards and you want to pitch down further a lot also can be an issue when you're close to the ground um i don't know if anybody else has had that that feeling but it's really kind of a freaky feeling that's for sure uh close to the ground there um one of the it's kind of hard to actually uh, demonstrate this i've found um but uh i really can do it if i keep the person in the airplane i've been able to do that a little bit but it's uh it's kind of hard to do it in like a 172 it's fun it's fun to do it like in an aerobatic plane they really get that illusion uh some of these illusions by the way cause people to also get sick to their stomach uh so that's something else that i've i found as a reaction is uh is actually and i do that too part of that's because of nerves too um but if you if this happens 
happens to you if these things happen, by the way, don't feel bad. Uh, it happens to everybody, all different experience levels, etc. Um, anyway, the other uh, illusion that we talk about, and, and I've had this happen, is uh, it's actually called the elevator illusion. And uh, it the reason they call it that is because basically you hit some turbulence and you feel like you're going up like in an elevator. And uh, it makes you feel like you need to go ahead and push forward again uh, on the nose because you're catching this cl- this updraft or whatever, and uh, you accelerate upwards, vertically. Um, and you're probably still in straight and level, uh, but you feel like you should put push the nose forward. And of course, when you do that, you enter a, a dive. Uh, what, this is tough in really bad turbulence. You want to just look at your attitude indicator, just kind of keep that straight and level attitude and, and keep flying so that you, you really do not push your nose down. It seems like we do this a lot. We push our nose down a lot of these instances where we shouldn't, and that's causing some uh, some issues with, with crashes, and that's why we're talking about it right now. But I I don't know if anybody else has done this with their students, but it's it's kind of it, it's really interesting. We have them in the in the clouds, and that turbulence brings them up, and you do see that a little nudge forward. It's quite fascinating. Um, but uh, anyway, that's those are some of those the illusions I wanted to talk about. But um, moving forward. Um, these are these are spatial disorientation illusions, but we also one of the things I really want to discuss, and this happens both uh, in IFR, but more so uh, where we're flying VFR, is some of those visual illusions that we have, and this is spatial disorientation um, with VFR pilots. You know, Larry, sometimes we feel like it's usually just IFR pilots. That's not true. I mean, I find with myself, I've been more prone to this disorientation when I'm in VFR conditions more so than IFR, amazingly enough. Okay. And it ha- and, and that's just me because I do silly things. Like when I'm doing spins and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I'll go out and I'll look around and also I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I know my training tells me to keep my head level, um, but I don't do that. So let's talk a little bit about some of those uh, or, you know, different illusions. One of them being uh, something that happened to me. This is something that uh, really drives it home in my life is, Uh, And it it really bothered me when it happened is I was flying IFR, I'm between layers, and I'm looking outside and it's like, you know what, the, uh, I I feel like I should be in a turn and I should be in a turn to the right because the horizon is kind of going down to the right. But I'm looking at my, my attitude indicator is telling me I'm straight and level. I, at that moment, like you were saying, Larry, it's like it suddenly came on. I was like, oh my God, I'm. I'm having it happen, yeah. and and I'm like, this can't be happening to me because I've been flying IFR for so long, and, and I said, all right, let's just do what we're supposed to do: concentrate on the instruments and don't look outside. And it was that it was this horizon? It was a false horizon due mm-hmm. to the fact that there was clouds, a cloud layer that was but actually the not level. level. The it was yeah. actually yeah, it was it was tilted towards the right and downwards to the right, and got me really really confused that's for sure um the that false horizon is uh it, it really can be due to not just that with the clouds but other things you know that you're just even things like uh lights on the ground uh even stars any type of patterns i know some of us mm-hmm. i don't know Larry, if you've seen that's the aurora borealis and all up north and northern okay. lights and that can kind of get a little bit confusing there so basically it's just a false horizon and uh you need to not yeah. yeah, look at that horizon. You know, when you when you talk about that false horizon or lack of ability to see the horizon, even in VMC conditions, um, you know, for for pilots like me who grew up in the Midwest, uh, you know, flying when there's 
you know, hundreds of little towns all over the place. If it's a clear night, you know, you, you get a sense of the horizon just because it's where the lights stop. But you brought up an interesting point. It's when you're used to being able to see the horizon or a representation of it even at night in VMC, and then you're in a different environment like over the water where you don't have those mm. visual cues. Um, for somebody, you know, moving from one geographically from one place in the U.S. to another, um, they might encounter a really different set of um, uh, uh, situations or, you know, whatever that, that would cause them to have some of these even if they've never had them before. Yeah, and, and that's something that uh, is good to get some training Possibly in that local area too. So hey, you I know a couple those. of good flight instructors. Yeah, I do. In case too. anyone's looking, we'll have to go find some. They, uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the, it's interesting because this is something that I think happens to many of us is, uh, and and we a lot of times we don't realize it because we're actually flying outside the airplane, and and we really need to make sure that we we concentrate on our horizon both internally and externally. Uh, that's the other reason I'm a big proponent of getting your instrument rating because uh, then we go back to our mm-hmm. instruments, et cetera. But it might be in an airplane that doesn't have instrumentation, uh, so that's important too. Um, one of the things that I think is also another interesting thing that I never thought would happen to me is uh, autokinesis. That's one of those things where you're you know, you're kind of in the dark. It's usually in the dark, and you're looking at a spot out there. Uh, it could be a light. It could be a star, whatever it is. And you're, you're sitting there staring at that thing for a long, long time. And then it all it starts to move, uh, and you're like, "Wait a minute!" So you're you're perceiving this thing as moving, uh, and it's not moving physically, and you start going and moving with it, uh, causing you to actually have the possibility of losing control of that aircraft okay. by trying to following something that's not moving but looks like it's moving. Uh, so it's it's really an odd uh, type. Of, of visual illusion but it, it does happen and it's uh so get out there and at night and start staring at something and and kind of figure out you know what what's happening at that point and uh and have an instructor with you when you're doing this so that you can practice these things by the way just in general it's kind of cool to bring someone along to to experiment with yourself mm-hmm. and uh, with these type of visual illusions i think it's it's a great idea um there's another thing too, and I think uh, Russ, where you fly, I think this happens very often. Being out in the Midwest and uh, flying around is is this thing that they call the it's a visual illusion called the black hole effect. Um, maybe you could explain a little bit about the black hole and give us maybe an example of what's happened to you. Well, this is a staple of my uh, night flight training for the private pilot certificate. I'm out here in Oklahoma. You go any direction from Oklahoma City, and it, it there's not a whole lot of big towns out there. So um, any direction we go on a, the night cross-country training flight is going to end up, of course, by design. I, I'll design it so that we go to some, you know, just regular small general aviation airport, you know, four or 5,000-foot runway, you know, single runway. But it's just out there, and you know, next to a town of, 5,000, 10,000 people, something like that, you know, so a small town. And at night, without having anything around for reference, you know, no city lights or anything like that, you all you have is this sea of black, you know, the ground, and this runway that's outlined in, in lights. And it's like, I assume kind of like landing on an aircraft carrier. I've never gotten a chance to do that, but, you know, maybe someday. But uh, I, I imagine it's it's like that because you have no frame of reference of really of distance, of altitude. 
you don't have any of those normal visual references you're used, excuse me that you're used to and the distance one is is really the 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 kicker here because you can see so much further at night than you can during the day because you're not looking at reflected light you're looking at direct light so i mean you i mean we all know flying at night you can see traffic you know 50 miles away <laughs> you can you can see the lights of towns that are way way out there so everything kind of looks closer the black hole effect is that caused by you have no other references so what happens is you think you're closer than you are and as a result you descend lower than you really should and I had a, just a wonderful opportunity to experience this when I was out in Ohio, actually. I was teaching out there. And close to where I was teaching was Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Now, they would let you do low approaches as long as they didn't have any other traffic in the way. And I was out at night with a student, and I called the tower up, and they didn't have anything going on. So I thought, this is my chance. We're going to do a few patterns here, ending in low approaches, of course. But I had the controller... It, turn on and off different the the lighting the airfield lighting in different configurations you know from having all the approach lights on and everything to having you know nothing but the runway lights and we flew a few patterns there and on one yeah you know, I was flying extended patterns to kind of show the effect of this black hole and on one the student you know was coming off final I had you know, lined them up on probably a four mile final or so maybe five miles which you wouldn't want to do we'll get into that in a minute but it was on purpose and he's He's descending in the runway, and he thinks he's right on glide slope. And I kind of check, hey, how you, how you think you're doing? Oh, I think I'm great, great. Uh, he's about 500 feet above the, uh, above the ground, maybe a little less. And I say, how far do you think you are from the runway? He said, oh, I don't know, about a, about a mile. I'm getting towards, uh, you know, towards, you know, kind of almost short final here. I'm like, you're still three miles away. And he looked at me, what? <laughs> yeah, you're three miles away, only 500 feet above the ground and descending. And that's exactly what... Uh, what causes this, this situation. The black hole effect often results in aircraft impacting the ground, you know, a mile from the runway or less. There's this, uh, there's a study with this graph that has the, uh, the, the slope kind of intersecting the ground at somewhere around that distance because of the way that the runway environment looks when you don't have any reference to altitude. Uh, so the, the way to prevent this black hole effect, there's a couple. Um, one is, if you're instrument rated, fly an instrument approach. That'll, you know, one with vertical guidance. That will, uh, that will definitely help you. The other is, if you aren't, or there isn't one, don't fly a five-mile final like I was having these guys do in training. Fly a normal pattern and turn at normal altitudes and normal distances, and that prevents a lot of this, this whole problem because you're used to those distances and altitudes and where to turn, and you keep it in close. And the last thing is, if there are pappies at the airport or vassies, use them. And don't don't just ignore. If you start seeing lots of red, uh, you know you need to climb up some. Interesting. You know, one of the things that that starts leaning into is some of these optical illusions, and we really need to. You know, we could talk about that. We, as a matter of fact, we should probably even do a whole episode on that, just optical illusions and and those type of things. And we'll definitely we'll definitely kind of you know work that in. And I, I really want to kind of do that at some point. But uh, but really. The, there, it's really important for us to also understand how to how to prevent these things. But uh, but before we get in that, Tom, I think you had a comment. Yeah, I was sitting here and I was thinking um, as you were talking about autokinesis that um, that's one of those that um, 
you know, normally when we have spatial disorientation, it's usually just one pilot sitting in a plane. I'm at a situation where we were, I was flying with somebody, we were at 45,000 feet headed to Tampa from Salt Lake City. And, you know, we're, we're at cruise altitude and, you know, um, the pilot and I, we were both looking at the, at this light say, and it looked like an airplane coming at us. It looked like somebody at another level that was up above us at 45,000 feet. And we both you know, we're pretty sure this plant, this, this plane was coming at us and it ended up being just a star, actually a planet because it wasn't flickering. That's why we thought it was a light, but it was, it was funny how both of us were experiencing that at the same time. We, we both were pretty sure it was moving towards us and it was just plain old autokinesis. And when we figured out it was a planet, like, nope, it's sitting still. You it's, know, fun. so it's funny when two people are experiencing the same thing at the same time. It, it's funny you mention that, Tom, because I've had exactly that that situation where it's Venus, you know, sure, and, you're, sure. and you're maneuvering to avoid Venus. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Feel a little bit silly. And, yeah. and, you know, we're we're looking at the MFD going, I don't see it. He's not on here. Maybe in a military plane, you know, and now it's a big it, conspiracy, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I did want to add one thing about, uh, the, just in, in the interest of safety <laughs> discussion here about when I was talking about the, the black hole effect and, and setting up, you know, a nice long final at, at night, uh, certainly if we have instructors listening and who might want to go do that, just make sure you know the terrain there, um, ahead of time, of course, kind of scope it out during the day. In my situation at Wright-Patterson, out off the Northeast there, there's a, I mean, it's, it's swampland and, uh, there's really nothing for several miles Northeast of the runway there. So I knew that I could get down pretty, you know, pretty low and, uh, and not have any problems, but I will say though, <laughs> being there, knowing I was only about 500 feet that far from runway was a little bit puckery, but, uh, I knew we, I'd already scoped it out. I knew we weren't going to hit anything. So if you do that, I highly recommend you at least take a good, hard look during the day. Yeah, that's, that's some great advice. And, uh, one of the yeah. things that I really think is important is that when we're in any of these training advice, uh, you know, environments, we, we do a lot of planning. I think that's part of what you're doing as, as far as planning. Uh, one of the things I, I also think is important is for us to go forward with what can we do to, to cope with these things. And we talked a lot about how to prevent, uh, spatial disorientation, uh, but we also need to talk a little bit about, you know, actually coping with these things and, and the prevention, the prevention of spatial disorientation. And uh, there's a couple of things that you can do. And I think one of them is actually uh, the why, you know, under, and that's what we just talked about, you know, why this happen and what causes them. Uh, and if you can get into those situations where you can go and train with somebody, but also possibly go into some of these little training devices, uh, the little chair that kind of moves around, you know, the vertigo thing that they have. Uh, they'll have it at Sun and Fun, by the way, this year, the little ver- vertigo trainer. Uh, that's really cool. Um, I love to go out, you know, when you're at the fair and you you know have the baseball bat and you run around the baseball bat and then try to run down the, 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 the first baseline and you kind of get off a kilter. That's always a fun one to do. That's a great demonstration. Love watching those at the baseball games. Um, but also another thing, too, just in general. Now, these are general comments. You know, the other thing that's really important that we, we really talked about somewhat, but, but we really didn't state, is make sure you get a pre-flight weather briefing. That'll prevent a lot of this from happening, especially if you start getting into the low VFR situations. Be really careful. And, and, and with that briefing, um, make sure that if, if you know that you're going to start flying in, say, a marginal condition, you know, like three miles or less, 
Make sure that you are trained and you're proficient. By the way, I keep saying that proficient. Make sure you're proficient IFR, which is very, very important. And uh, and try not to, to fly um, into those conditions, you know, especially uh, adverse conditions, dusk and dark, you know, the dawn, those type of things. That really gets confusing a lot of times uh, unless you actually are in you know flying ifr and uh or if you're night current i mean that i don't want to tell everybody not to fly at night but um make sure you're really proficient at night flying uh also when you're doing night cross countries be really careful make sure that you've got a really thorough weather briefing um and and make sure you understand these points you know and and look outside uh and when we are flying avoid those movements of your head uh during we were talking about takeoffs and landings maybe having some of those illusions happening the acceleration illusions that type of thing uh during turns and approaches um and and really really make sure that you you yourself are are in tune with your body and and make sure that if you're in the reduced visibility you are, have rest and that yeah. it's amazing how a lot of times this really hits you hard if you're you're fatigued make sure you also do some night adaptation before you go flying before you get in the air when you start taxiing out away from the terminal or away from uh, where you picked up your airplane that type of thing uh, go over the the i am safe checklist you know the illness medications and uh, you know sleep fatigue you, you have to really look over all those things yourself and and one of the things that i think is the top where i said it i'm going to say it again be proficient you know, be proficient uh, in using your instruments at night, uh, especially relying on your instruments as your IFR, uh, and do trust your instruments and don't trust your body because sometimes it lies to you, as we've talked about uh, throughout this podcast. Well, guys, this has been a really great discussion. I think uh, we're going to actually talk again about some of those visual illusions because we could do almost a whole podcast on some of those visual illusions, talking about how to land, what, what we can use, different tools that we have at the airport and i think it's it's really important that maybe we cover that in in an upcoming uh, episode but this is a great discussion guys really enjoyed it our picks of the week let's uh let's move on to our picks of the week our picks of the week um i'm gonna go first because we're, we're on this topic is uh the FA has a website, a section of their website that talks about spatial disorientation, uh, and there's actually a, a, a whole collection of different things and reference materials that you can go get. Uh, I know it, if you really need to go to sleep at night, you just pick up these materials and start reading. I'm just joking. There is some good stuff in there. I know it's a little bit dry, some of it. Very informative. There's uh, actually... Oh, the other thing that's on there, by the way, is that there's... Um, this little, um, it's like a GIF. I don't know. It, it might be a movie file, but anyway, it, it it shows you one of those devices and how those spatial disorientation devices work. And uh, it's like a three D diagram of it, and it actually shows you in motion. It's pretty cool how they do that. So anyway, that's my pick of the week is uh, the FA spatial disorientation page uh, right there on the FA's website. You'll find these links, by the way, at the bottom of of the show notes here on the podcast. Anyway, uh, let's go on to uh, Russ. Russ, what is your pick of the week? Well, I guess welcome uh, everybody to Russ's book club. Uh, of course, of course, it's a book once again. Uh, it's it was a very different type of book that, than the normal ones I've read. I mean, in the past, I've been talking about you know more historical type uh, aviation books. This one's titled "Skyfaring: A Journey with a Pilot" by Mark Van Honacker. I may be mispronouncing that, Mark. Sorry about that. But uh, it 
it's a book written by a 747 co-pilot, and it's not about anything that's you know hard science. This is not a textbook about how to fly a 747 by any means. Uh, his his market or his audience seems to be just people who are in love with flight, that the passion of flight, you know, whether they're pilots or not. And it's very, uh, uh, it's not a poem, but it's very poetic. It's very uh, sometimes lyrical, very metaphorical. Uh, there are definitely some, uh, some comparisons we made here with, uh, with another name I'm going to get wrong. Sorry. <laughs> Antoine de saint Zupere, a uh, very famous, uh, I guess, French writer from the thirties or so who wrote a lot of this kind of book about the, the passion of, of flight and, and Mark Van Honecker uh, has done that as well. Uh, it, I mean, just, just some of the, uh, the broad categories here. here, here's a name of some of his chapters. One, the chapter is called air. That's the name of the chapter. That's a pretty broad topic. Uh, but it's all about the air that the airplane's flying in and, and a little you know, a little bit of science and stuff. Another chapter is night. What is what is it like to fly at night? How you know, how getting from place to place and seeing nothing but you know ocean for, for eight hours on this uh, transatlantic flight and, and those kind of things. It's very um, it's very easy to read. It's very easy to identify with. Any pilots will immediately recognize a lot of things he's talking about. And it's a strange kind of book that you, know, you could sit down and read it in days or you, know, you could take months. It actually I, it took me about two months to finish it, not because it w- wasn't a good read. It's just, it's just one of those books that you can feel free to set down and, and, not, uh, not pick, and then pick it up when you're comfortable. So uh, it, there's, like I said, it's just this great explanation of uh, the joy and the fascination and a lot of things that go along with with flight and being particularly a uh, international airline pilot man that that was really cool i are thanks to our librarian russ for yeah no doubt another, another <laughs> great book this for for your book of the week it is russ that's right, that's right. <laughs> so, but you know obviously well read and I, I love the fact that you bring up some of these really cool books that's actually one of those books that uh, that is just it kind of reminds me of a kid as being a kid when you're reading and you get into these really fun books where you can kind of fantasize about what's going on and the, and uh, i'm definitely going to pick that one up you know rest my my list keeps growing because of you <laughs> well, you got a lot of <laughs> but anyway well thank thanks for that pick of the week uh, skyfaring sure. a journey with a pilot by mark van honecker i don't know if i said that but he it, it might be right sorry mark if i got it wrong uh our next pick of the week is actually going to be from tom what is your pick of the week tom yeah i was um when as uh i have different students um you know as as a student pilot i was constantly learning or looking for things to learn um resources anywhere on the web that that i would help me um understand what being a pilot was and help me be a better pilot you know just constantly learning and trying to soak in information so one of the resources that i was giving to my students was to go to cirrus um you don't have to be a cirrus pilot to do this um they uh, provide a, a bunch of courses i know rick has probably um used some of their resources on their learning portal well here at the end of uh, february 2019 um they have redone their entire learning portal um and uh it's a learning.cirrusapproach.com Com, and the free courses that they have in there are still available. So there's some some VFR courses and some IFR courses, and they're just they're they're really 
presented well. They're, they're good courses that are put together. They have like just a crap ton of stuff in there that you can buy. And if you ever decide to go fly a Cirrus and do a, a transition um, to one of their aircraft, um, it's really structured on how they go through that. But they will provide their learning syllabus and um, some of their learning courses for free, and it's it's um, it's definitely worth checking out. So since they just changed over their new learning portal and they got a whole new look to it and everything like that, I thought it'd be cool to uh, let people know to maybe go check it out. You know, it's people like you that make me not sleep at night because I just looked at that and that looks really awesome. So I, I know I'm going to be up pretty late <laughs> and, and, and playing with it. Boy, I tell you, those courses look really cool. Thanks so much for that, Tom. Some uh, really neat, like you said, you don't have to be a serious pilot. And also there's a lot of free courses out there. Uh, it, it really looks sharp. So I uh, really appreciate that. And that's one of, and by the way, again, all these picks of the week and all the past picks of the week are on our website. There's a huge, huge catalog. So please go out there and check it out uh, and some of those links out there especially with the books we have a huge catalog especially uh thanks to russ but uh next on our pick of the week is is going to be rick rick what is your pick of the week yeah when we when i knew the topic we were going to be talking about i went kind of in search of some videos to support that you know that were and there's there's really a ton of of things out there uh, about spatial disorientation but i found one that i really liked and i'm gonna the, the link will be in the show notes it's um by a uh, basically online training site called Fly8MA, um, and what I love about it is it's um, it's 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 real time. It's a CFI at a student, and the CFI is flying, but has the student do this is many of the things you guys just talked about: uh, closed eyes, head down, and then though the the uh, CFI is flying, has the student describe what she thinks is happening, and you can watch from behind them. There's also a um, uh, a wing camera back at the orientation of the plane, um, and uh, as well as their faces, and um, and all the stuff. It's not every one of these things, but quite often, um, most mostly she's not, she's wrong <laughs> about what is happening for real, and you can see it uh, in real time. So it's a great example visually of what your you know inner ear and your body can tell you uh, that your eyes when your eyes are not informing you. And uh, so I really I like that one a lot, and we'll have a link in the show notes. Awesome. I, I can't wait to see that one. Well, uh, last but not least is Larry. Larry's here in the studio, and uh, actually this has been really cool. That's one of the reasons I wanted to finish up with you in your pick of the week is, uh, just, what, hey, how you like how do you like the studio here, the new Stuck Mike Avcast studio? Oh, it's amazing. Um, it's way better equipped than mine is in the RV that I travel around in. Uh, and I, I've just got to say this, this mic stand arm that is over our heads and coming down out of the sky is, is just stunning, Carl. It's really, really nice. <laughs> and for those that actually want to see that arm, you can actually hashtag stuff, Stuck Mike Selfie yep. and uh, look that up on our Instagram, Facebook, and everywhere else we do the social media. Twitter thing. and all Twitter, those good places. Yeah, everything. Yeah. So uh, check that out. It's, uh, it's actually been awesome having you here and having your wife here and getting ready to uh, move on to Sun and Fun and Sun and Fun Radio. We'll have one more episode before that. Uh, yep. But uh, imagine that. It's going to be uh, weeks and weeks of preparation. People are already here. Oh, yeah. People have been here. They have a whole group of folks called the Early Birds that come months and months ahead of time. And they camp full time and they work full time and you know just really make the grounds ready uh, for, the, uh, for the event so that all of us who show up for a week can really enjoy it. Yeah. Have you been to the volunteers lunch? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, oh, are we, well, we can't talk about that. It's super secret. 
But uh, but yeah, they're, they're, it's great. Actually, it's not it's super the best secret. two buck lunch you can it, get in town. It, it is the best two buck lunch in town if you're in a volunteer. Uh, but really, I, I, hats off to you, Larry, and also the other people and all the early birds that come and, and help out. So I just want to kind of say that before we talk about your pick of the week. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So my pick of, pick of the week is kind of encroaching on Rick's territory, uh, being an app. Um, uh, but it's the Cloud Topper Pilot Site Level, uh, which I actually have not. I have downloaded and played with, but I haven't had a chance to use it in the cockpit yet. Um, but it's you know, sort of, Carl. You were talking earlier about uh, that visual effect where the clouds were leaning. You know, the, the, the you were between layers, but they were they were not level. You know, and one side, right or left, was higher than the other. Well, if you can imagine flipping around ninety degrees and, and either climbing or, or flying level into that or flying level out of that and kind of wondering you know am i going to get under that next layer or am i going to be able to get be a stay above this layer that i'm above now um this is uh, an app that gives you a uh, a line across the center of your phone and you just sort of line it up with the top of a cloud or the bottom of a cloud or whatever you're trying to avoid and get a sense of you know am i likely to miss it you know, if I stay at the same altitude that I'm at now. So it sounds like kind of a neat idea um, and definitely worth, uh, I think, definitely worth a, a, a look. I tell you what, Larry, I'm going to definitely get the app and I'm going to bring it to me and use it at work. And I know I'm going to look like a total geek when I'm <laughs> out there. People are going to laugh at me. That's like, what are you doing? I want to see if I'm going to miss that cloud. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, the old bottle trick, it never really works as well as I think <laughs> this will. So really, really cool app. I can't wait to use that one. Well, guys, this is guys, this has been a great discussion. Discussion. I really enjoy this, and it's been great having uh, Larry here. As a matter of fact, there's a possibility we may do this again in the studio. Uh, and and if you want to uh, be a guest on the podcast, etc., we do have links on how to be a guest, and and we can have you here at our studio at the at remote here or the one that's at the airport too. So uh, we had two different locations for that studio. And one of the things that's really neat about the whole Lakeland area is there's so many cool aviation events and cool yeah. aviators and people that just love general aviation aircraft and one of the reasons uh, we decided to come here by the way if you're flying into sun and fun and you're on the approach path to runway two three a couple miles off the end a little bit to the right wave uh, i'll try to wave back if i see you and uh, and say hi to me down here and and here at the stuck mike avcast studio so i'd, I'd, I'd really like to say hi to you just look for carl in his uh, orange stuck mike avcast <laughs> shirt and you'll know who to wave at <laughs> that's for sure well if you have comments questions whatever stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com don't forget to join us on instagram twitter facebook and follow us at sun and fun sun and fun radio you can actually listen to larry's lovely voice doing all those announcements that you do it's amazing how many you've put out there and it's liveatc.net slash snf absolutely don't miss it and it's still in the um the off-season loop uh, so you can hear interviews um, on, from the deck with um, the Wasps and you know World War II vets, uh, current aer- uh, aerobatic performers, um, vendors of all kinds of cool products. Carl, you you know more than I do, but there's a lot of good material out there. And uh, you know if you if you weren't able to be at Sun and Fun last year, it's a great way to get uh, kind of you know into the into the groove for this year. Yeah, there's everything from uh, those vertical massage chairs to ADSB. It's it's all sorts of different devices that are out there. Absolutely, and <laughs> you know, insurance and travel services and all kinds yeah, of things. Everything, yeah. Um, and we'll be going live on uh, Tuesday morning, April second, mm-hmm. uh, for the first time at what? 
eight o'clock, nine yes, o'clock, eight o'clock, something like that. Uh, Eastern and, time, and, and and join us. By the way, it's the twenty fifth anniversary uh, of Sun and Fun of Radio. Sun and Fun. Yeah, it's going to be around my twenty fifth birthday. Oh yeah, I'm again. Dyslexic. Yes, I'm, I'm dyslexic. Yes. That's right. But uh, <laughs> the one of the things that I think is, it, we have to say too is you know hats off to also Dave Shalbetter who's been putting this show together for so many years. Somebody stuck Dave, a mic in his hand 25 Dave, years Dave. ago, and he hasn't shut up since. <laughs> That's the truth. And uh, and he's loving like a brother. He's he's been waking all those campers up every morning. So uh, we can't wait to hear from him. But uh, anyway, folks, if you have questions about this, all the links to everything we talked. About about is in the show notes make sure you head on over there uh, we'd love to hear your feedback about this we want you to fly safe and also have fun out there we'll talk to you next episode and safe flying you've been listening to the stuck mike abcast members of the stuck mike abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast compensation may be received in the form of but not limited to referral commissions free products or service trials our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show the stuck mike abcast is an aviation podcast and a valeri aviation corporation production Thank you.